what's a little frustrating in multifamily that, that I, I see it coming in other industries are doing this so much better, but every single advertising funnel needs perfect tracking. The Bridge is a podcast for all businesses where the consumer purchase takes place at a physical location, but those same consumers are shopping and narrowing their choices down online. That jump from online to in-store is where most businesses struggle. Each episode, we'll focus on real strategies and examples from industry experts on how to dominate this complex and competitive environment by sharing the latest trends in technology and process. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of The Bridge, um, where we're talking to different business owners that are dealing with the complexity of having more of their consumers shopping online, but yet the sale is still done face-to-face. We are super excited this week. We have Ivan Barrett, a multifamily unit owner and syndicator, who's going to tell us what that means here in a minute, and specializing in uh, FHA and agency finance projects. Since 2015, Ivan has raised $60 million bucks in equity, acquired over 2,500 units, and has grown his company, Barrett Asset Management, to a best-in-class, vertically integrated asset and property management firm. Look at this. Today, Ivan focuses his time on equity finance acquisitions and company strategy uh, and currently managing well over $250 million in assets. Um, How's it going, Ivan? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great Hello. to be here. Um, been excited seeing this on my calendar for the last few weeks and just Haven't thrilled to be here. Haven't been able to here. sleep. No, no. The sleep has been, has been reduced for sure. All right. So we're getting a little bit deprived, but still on your A game, I guess. I do, I do well under pressure and lack of sleep. Three kids will do that. <laughs> yes, yes. Two will do that. Actually, even one. Now, real quick before we get started, um, you recently spoke at a, uh, at a summit talking about real estate syndication. I did, yeah. I just got back from Chicago. Was up there over the weekend. Uh, got to be on a panel about syndication and also a, a little breakout on scaling a real estate business. Had a lot of fun. Always enjoy hanging out, delivering some value. Hopefully, paying it forward. So, uh, so what is entrepreneur- what does syndication mean for those people that aren't maybe familiar with the uh, the concept? Yeah. So, real estate syndication or, or syndication in general is where we go in as a like a private equity firm. And we buy businesses. Our businesses just happen to be apartment communities. So we're looking for a a well-run business that will benefit from a new management team and new capital to make improvements. And then we put our own skin in the game, um, and we raise the rest of that capital from outside passive investors who come along for the ride with us and and let us and our team handle the the operations and the decision-making. And we seek to deliver a, a solid return to for our capital and our investors. So I'm specifically investing in one particularly pro- one particular property or community as opposed to maybe multiple. They can be set up in either either fashion. So we have single asset raises that we we've, we've primarily done in the past, and now that we've got a track record over 250 million in AUM, we're actually moving to a, a fund model, which is just a fancy way of putting a few assets into the same. Um, placement offering to provide another measure of diversification for our investors and lowers the risk and also can increase the probability of a higher return when you've got several different assets in the same pool, so to speak. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Very cool. It's like uh, very similar to a VC-funded 
backed software company that uh, is going out and individually raising for for a particular return. I mean, instead of it being we're a community, this, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're on the spectrum. VC would be you know higher risk, higher yeah, payout for sure. sure. Right? We're we're more if we were buying businesses, they'd be middle market, decent track record already, right? Um, but there's still room to add value, get cash flow by bringing in new management, new efficiencies, new capital, make improvements, raise the top line reduce expenses, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you started every, every Oh, property. gosh. That's how I started? No. Oh, I, I mean, as far as, uh, as far as Barrett Asset, was every one is based on a syndication, or is that something that's evolved over time? Well, BAM started in my spare bedroom ah. as a property management company. In the beginning, I did, uh, I performed management services for small investors. It was 2010, so I had landlords by necessity, meaning they couldn't sell the place and they needed to rent it out. Okay. And so my goal was to grow the management company first, learn my lessons the hard way while I was small, where they wouldn't be quite as amplified as they are now. And, and I knew that if I could figure out management, which I didn't really you know, love the management side of it, right? Uh, but it was the, the machine, the repeatable machine I could build that would enable me to execute on these larger deals down the road. And so we started small. I, I was the the one man show for a while and started hiring people and went through, you know, the grind of hiring and firing and firing and hiring and firing again, uh, to where we're at today, 80 employees, 20 at corporate, which is our asset management team, the people that that manage the managers. And then the bulk of the staff is on site in a management or maintenance function. Okay. So always entire history for you has always been in property management or anything before that? No. So after graduating uh, Indiana University with a fancy degree in real estate, I thought I wanted to be a a developer. Yeah. The Kelly School, now it's more known than it was back then. Yeah. Uh, Back then it was all dot-com this and dot-com that. Uh, There was like 30 of us in the real estate program. (laughs) Thought I would be this hotshot developer, uh, went to work for one, and basically got my foot in the door and said, hey, I'll work for free. I'm here to learn. Pay me if I sell something. And uh, that lasted right up until the Great Recession where everything fell off a cliff. I am upside down in debt and uh, more, uh, more cash going out than coming in. I'm trying to convince my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, that I'm still a, a safe, you know, stable bet uh, for marriage material. This is all part of the plan, Yeah, sweetheart. it's all part of the plan. And uh, somehow convinced her to, to, to stick with me and marry me and... and she um, she had a great job at the time, and and through a lot of soul searching, figured out this model that I could repeat and scale. And again, you know, I had to do what I hated first to get to where I'm at today. And that was the the um, genesis of the management company. So, what do you hate? Everything. <laughs> no, it's it, you know, man, <laughs> the management side of it is just not easy, right? You're you've got uh, lots of residents, you've got lots of maintenance issues. Right, everybody's got their opinion on on what uh, a good experience should be, and and then you when you're working for owners, they've got their own idea of uh, what the decision making process should be. It's like any business when you start off. Yeah, um, you're working for somebody else. Your margins are low, hours are long. Right, my health suffered. I was getting bad grades in in marriage and fatherhood. <laughs> so. Now that you're not doing everything you hate, and you get to do occasionally the things that you like, which include uh, include uh, answering a bunch of investor emails, um, how do you spend your days? 
I get to spend most of my time now raising capital. Um, I get to talk about the fun stuff with the investors, and then when they ne- actually need answers or details, we've got a, a relations team that, that handles that so I don't screw it up. And I, I try to stay in that visionary lane if, if uh, we're talking about visionary and integrator. Yeah. And so my goal is to keep my head in the clouds these days, focus on, focus on our big rocks, our, our mission, our, our vision. Um, I get to look at uh, culture from a high level. And, and sort of point at that mountaintop and, and help everybody figure out what, what we're doing this for, where we're going, where we're headed. It's so, a lot of fun. No, that's great. And so I, I, it's, it's curious because, you know, for, for people that have been in a position like yours and, and myself having done it, there is the uh, – people used to talk about how we grew so fast early, and it was because I, I, I didn't want to cold call anymore. And it was like, how fast can I get out of this so that somebody else can do it? Um, sure. But also the perspective um, of understanding all the dials that make the business run. And so for you to have spent that amount of time um, on the ground floor, uh, seeing the process, probably really helped build that client experience um, that you're wanting to manage the rest of your team to, the standards. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a badge of honor. It was, a, it was a, definitely a trial by fire, but I can look anybody in the eye and say, hey, I've I've leased units, I've coordinated maintenance, I've signed leases, managed people, uh, been on the collection side, right? I've, I've done it all at one point or another. Yeah, awesome. And so um, how do you think about how you guys differentiate or what your main goals are when you're talking about consumers that have multiple options and they choose one of your properties over somebody else? What's, uh, what's an expectation you give your team on what that, uh, what that resident experience should be? Yeah, it's a constant moving target these days. Our our resident is at almost every income strata now, whether we're talking about some of our more affordable properties or something that's a little bit closer to luxury, they're all online. They've all got smartphones, right? And they're all using that as a tool to narrow down their search before they ever get off the couch or, or, or leave the office. And so... You know, the front line to, to all this is how do you provide some sort of um, sticky experience when they land on your property, right? When they land on that community. How do you how do you keep their focus there? I mean they're you know, they're maybe hitting interested on twenty or thirty apartment projects these days, right? Uh, communities these days and, and how do you remain uh, at the top of that list? How do you get them out to see your community before they, they pick something else. In our business, the average lead is, is like the half-life of a fruit fly. I mean, you've got to get them quick, get them in there, and, and, and get them signed up, uh, or they, they've moved in somewhere else. I think you kind of nailed it. You know, that's uh, obviously what we talk a lot about in here is the, is the reality that um, I, as a consumer, want to be in control, but at the same time, when I want a question, I expect immediate response, even yeah. though don't think that I'm giving you up, giving you control. I still want control. I just want you to answer my question and that's it. Right. Um, so how do you guys think about the bridge? How, how has, uh, how is your leasing agents, um, responsibility in terms of looking at the website and understanding, you know, what consumers are engaging on the website versus what their responsibilities in helping bridge that, uh, that online in person. So it, it's almost, it, it's almost analogous to what happens in say like the hospitality industry these days. Yeah multifamily tends to sort of follow hospitality, right? So if it's going on in hotels now, it's, it's going to happen in, in our industry a little bit farther down the road, but it becomes the norm, right? So 
landing on a nice website with nice floor plans and easily um, searchable information. I mean, that's that's 2012, man. If you're not if you're not doing that, you're you're already losing. The leasing agent obviously has to have a lot of that information at their fingertips, right? It, they're really the front line salesperson in so many ways. So they've got to customize their their follow-up, their contact to what the resident wants, right? It's the same way I raise capital. Um, one person, you know, I can email him 10 times and he doesn't respond and I text him and two minutes later he's texting me back, right? Uh, opposite for the other person that I'm, that I'm going after. Some people, you have to get them on the phone and you you've got to be ready to pivot for what that customer who wants to be in control desires. Yeah. And so one thing I'm curious about from your role, uh, we've talked a little bit about, uh, like with Katrina, for example, um, a lot of pipeline measurement in terms of leads that are generated online. And then once it gets to leasing agent to the fact that they've actually closed the lease and those person, those people are in. So their ROI is a little bit more at the, at the, uh, at the granular level. When you're looking at it from a portfolio perspective, are you more focused on NOI or what? 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 Uh, what main marketing intelligence? And if you even remove remove marketing, what kind of data are you looking at to understand the performance of your of your uh, properties? Yeah, NOI is still the end all be all in our industry, and and it's something we have to look at on a regular basis. But we're much more granular than that weekly. So we have uh, meetings with the executive team every Monday. And we're looking at portfolio-wide, what is our uh, satisfaction survey score on move-ins? What is our conversion ratio, right? What are, how many people contacted us, how many tours were set, and how many leases were signed? Okay. And we're watching that on a, on a weekly basis to hopefully spot, um, well, first of all, to, to call out good trends, right? To, to give shout-outs to our, our team that's doing it well, doing it right. Uh, but also to hopefully nip those issues in the bud when those um, those numbers start falling in the wrong direction. Yeah. Do yeah. you benchmark properties against each other? Oh, all the time. Okay. It's, it, it, it's benchmarking, but it's also setting that competitive nature with leasing agents and property management teams, right? So they're all in the same Slack channel, and they're they're getting kudos and shout outs, and we're we're recognizing when uh, when people are doing a great job. And, and also kind of throwing it in the face of the other the other management teams. Hey guys, uh, th- you know these guys are killing it. What are you up to over there? What's going on? So, give me an example of a time where you know in one of those meetings the outcome is the fact that the data isn't where it is, and and you need to change something. Um, as an industry, you know, multifamily is a little bit behind overall in terms of use of technology, especially yeah. in modern marketing. Um, is it is it your first thought to go to? go to technology or is it typically sneaker net meaning i'm going to find people that are going to get this done no uh, the way i've been able to scale this business effectively is of course it takes great people but if you if you aren't constantly on the search for great tools right that help them do their jobs better you're (laughs) Uh, ivan have you ever been surprised by any of the data that that you've like dug into what's a little frustrating in multifamily that that I, i see it coming in other Industries are doing this so much better, but every single advertising funnel needs perfect tracking, right? And we're, and we're getting better at it in multifamily, but it, it's still not where, where I wish it was from a, from a campaign standpoint. 
we're, we're, I think we're, we're, you're going to see some of that happening, and, and it's a muscle. Um, one of the things that we talk about in here is the trend that you can look at on the history of automotive. Yeah. And um, where third-party lead providers, auto traders of the world, cars.com, this is early 2000s, late 90s, really started on the digital landscape. Yeah. And it, it, for lack of a better way of saying it, it made the dealerships lazy because all they did was rely on cars.com and auto trader and all these companies to be able to provide them the leads. They didn't need to own their digital landscape. They just needed to provide it. Yeah. That also created a massive vacuum around a lot of the things that you're, you're talking about, including attribution on channel. Um, and that evolution started to take place is what naturally happened where they saw these companies saw the reliance on them, their prices increased, and these dealerships started to realize, wait a minute, uh, maybe, we got to figure this out. Maybe I need to be a little bit more in control yeah. of um, of my world, and more importantly, my sales process. Because why do I want a lead that's being given to me that I know is being given to my other competitors? Right. And um, as a result, you saw all this massive amount of technology that started to enter into that space uh, at a time when all of it was still developing. You can look today in multifamily, and there is a certain amount of, of ecosystem, even riding on a similar trend with, with Google. So if you follow me on this, um, Google seven years ago, uh, if, you, if you typed in used cars... You see that little box in Google, you know, where it's got the individuals by sure. the area, yeah. um, which show the dealerships. Now, Google's smart. They do that because I know as a deal- I can get more money from all those dealers than just from AutoTrader, you know, owning one line, right, right. across the nation. Yeah. And recently, apartments near me, um, they started to do that for, for, the, uh, for the multifamily space because there is this continued, um, and very, you know, if, you're, if, you don't, uh, if you don't study history, you're doomed to repeat it, right? Agreed. We're in the same spot right now with multifamily where that's now offered and there's a bunch of different technologies that are starting to come out to be able to put the communities back in control and not rely on yeah. third-party leads because those prices only continue to right. to increase. So channel attribution is one that you see is frustrating. Are there any others? Channel attribution is a new word for a real estate guy like me, but I'm okay. going gonna, gonna to steal it and <laughs> okay. use it. Yeah. So channel Absol- attribution absolutely. means if I spend a dollar on Google... Um, how much money do I get back directly tied to the lease that took place as a result of that person having seen it on cost per resident. Google? Yeah, in a sure. way, right? It's yeah. an ROI per dollar spent on a channel. So channel attribution, attributing yeah. it to a particular channel. Yeah, I think that's the that's the part of our business right now that that we're missing. Right, is is really assigning dollar values to to those channels and and what the what the cost and the ROI is. Yeah. Okay. We can't argue with you there. Yeah, and, and that's going to change somewhere down the road. Right now, it's a great time to be in multifamily, but great time to be in apartments, high occupancy. Um, I think Indianapolis will be less sensitive than some other parts of the country. But, gosh, when those occupancy rates start dropping, everybody's going to get real, real serious about where they're spending their money. Yes, no question. Are. Yes, they are. Yeah. Not so, a question of if, just uh, when. I, I want to jump in here because yeah. I, I don't want to forget Hey, would you just then, let Fabian jump yeah, in? No, I was just, just like, I'm just way, a, I, a little you know, while. Every time I look because at him, I'm like, stop if, talking, if Fabian. If I forget, then I won't say anything at okay. all. So here we go. Um, <laughs> right. Um, so at, at, a, at a point, you're, you're talking about occupancy rates being really great right now. Yeah. Right. So in those times when you're at whatever a good occupancy rate is, 98% or above, right? Yeah, it is depends right? on the deal. Let's say right. 95 to to 98. If so, you're over that, your rents are too low. Right. But but what do you do 
you know, as someone who wants to continue to market or wants to continue to be visible in front of other people, what are you what are you continuing to do or what are you continuing to invest in when your occupancies are at such a great rate? Or if you're at full occupancy? Yeah, yeah. So obviously you don't want this to be a you know, a, a commercial, but every one of my managers does love perk. I mean, they, they love the resident experience. Um, they haven't, you know, it's still relatively new, I think in the industry. So most of these people haven't seen it yet and they like the, they, they like the format. They, they like the sort of the customization of it to where it, it's not just a, Hey, put in your number, your name and your email and wait for me to call you. What, uh, yeah. yeah. What's your budget and how many, how many bedrooms and baths do you want? Right. That's, that's what everybody's doing. Yeah. Versus, um, you know, I was just looking at it today uh, before I came in here and seeing some of the um, uh, some of the, the the wants and needs assessments uh, that are kind of done in a fun way that um, are a little more compelling, I think, to the the end user. You know, in general, in the industry, I think there's what what excites me is right now. You know, bigger, older companies are going to be more lackadaisical about this, right? So it gives opportunities for young companies like ours to get out ahead of this, find those great tools, not rest on our laurels and, and not really, um, or, or should I say smooth out those, those future bumps when everybody else is playing catch up. When it's, it's a mindset thing too, right? Like when things are going well, you can't see them necessarily going wrong. So I think there's like a, a whole section of people that either have that mindset of prepare for the worst at all times or when things are going good, you can't really see past your nose and you're just like happy because things are going well. Yeah, I mean, I, I love uh, Talib's um, anecdote to the uh, or, or characterization of the turkey, right? The turkey thinks he's got a great life. He's fed. He's sheltered every day. It's relaxing until Thanksgiving, right? So how, as, as an entrepreneur, how do I make sure we're not the turkey? And, and it's, it's that mindset of, okay, it's continual improvement every day. Where, where are our blind spots? How can we do better? Um, we don't think the, the party's going to stop tomorrow, but let's, let's invest and let's pretend or play or strategize as if it will. And for those of us that uh, you're a little younger, Fabian, those that survived the recession, you got a, you got a, I think we all have a scar as entrepreneurs <laughs> right in the back of our uh, neck that uh, all you got to do is if you get too fat yeah. and happy, you just kind of go, oh, yeah, Feel that no, scar I, back there. I remember 2009. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Uh, that, that, was, that was no fun. <laughs> all right. So the future. Um, so being a, going back to what you talk about and saying, you know, you're working on the vision, all that stuff. How do you think the trends are going to change? You know, we're talking a little bit from the perspective of technology. You know, one, one, uh, one anecdote that's out there and that you're starting to see some companies pop up is, is the idea of a, of 100% automated experience for the consumer, meaning I'm never talking to a human at all uh, to the point where I have my phone and I got a barcode and I go to this nice little hardware that's on a door at the apartment. I scan it. It opens it up. It comes. I check it out. I leave. And if I want to live there, then I'm going online and filling out the application and the financing and all that stuff. Um, that's obviously way out there a little bit compared to what most people are doing today. Yeah. But that's one example. I'm just curious from your from your experience and where your mind's going, how you see, how far you see it going and kind of what you think might even be three years from now, for example. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying now, I, I, what popped into my head was me getting up in the morning and leaving my house and my, my Tesla that I don't own picks me up, right? Takes me to wherever I'm going, it's right? It's going to be awesome when that happens. Right? <laughs> That's still pretty far off. It's pretty far. Pretty far off. 
Um, uh, well, I mean, unless you're, I mean, Elon says it's going to be next year. Right, so. right. And, and for the record, we were promised flying cars back when I think they were building Epcot, right? So we've got a while. Um, I think there's that that's a real thing somewhere down the road for part of our potential residents, right? For a cohort that's going to mm-hmm. want that. Yeah. I think for the foreseeable future, though, the majority of folks are going to want some sort of human interaction. So, again, it's that it's going back to offering your prospective residents or your, your prospective customer, whatever it is, a, a process that they want to be a part of, right? So having that ability at any time for a human to step in and, and help. Um, I think the trend, though, is that they'll that human interaction does get pushed farther into the funnel in a lot of ways, right? You've, you've, you've seen it already where even when I started my property management company, there was a lot more email interaction, right? Now it's whatever you do, don't email me. And, and now you've got a lot more information that you can gather without speaking to a human. Leases are performed electronically most of the time now. I still see, though, when it comes to somebody's home, that at some point, most of us are going to want to talk to somebody here and there, right? They're going to want that personal touch. Um, but that, yeah, that could go away completely at some point down the road for, for a certain percentage of people. Yeah, we talk about that a lot in here, and, and I think we're, we're on the same page on how long it's going to take before it gets there. Yeah. And it's also the reason that... Um, there is that considered purchase, that expensive thing, that thing that takes me as a consumer a long time to figure out what I want to spend my money on, uh, that thing that once I've done enough of my own research that I still want to talk to somebody and ask some questions, um, and then I want to see it. And and maybe that human interaction is what makes me feel comfortable to do, you know, maybe we can get to 99% and there's still that 1% that is me shaking somebody's hand and saying, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, but probably some point it'll be a hundred percent. Uh, but when that is, I don't, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, there might be a cohort of people that, uh, are ready for that right now, but, um, it being facilitated in this move manner would probably cause enough frustration for them to not want to do that. So back to that hospitality piece, you know, as a, as a multifamily owner, operator, entrepreneur, I'm watching for it in hospitality first, right? As somebody, going to the uh, the Four Seasons or the Shangri-La and never speaking with someone and checking into their room and, and using that that smartphone to manage the whole process. When I see it there, then I'll know we're, we're closer in multifamily. Very true. Yeah. So um, we'll jump to the end here, but curious from your perspective, what is the role of a leasing agent in the sales process? If, if the technology is working correctly... Um, is is the digital experience selling the leasing is selling the consumer and the leasing agent is facilitating the close or is the leasing agent the one that's getting the close ooh that's a good question i think it, i think you still have to have a salesperson in the in the process so what we found is most successful is that that leasing agent has some sales training right they know how to close a prospect if they're customer service oriented right here's the bathroom, here's the kitchen. And they're not saying, hey, you know, what do we need to do to overcome any objections or, or help you get through this process? If there's no sort of sales training in that, in that funnel, whether she's in the back of the funnel or up front, then the whole thing tends to fall apart, right? Because you give people too much time and too many decisions, 
you lose him. You lose him to the other leasing agent that's that could the close. Property that's you closing. still need closers. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. A, it yeah. is a. It is an interesting example. You know, because you brought up Tesla, and you know, when you go buy a Tesla uh, and you go into that store, they're not sales agents. They're just incredibly understanding of the product, and they are able to help you understand why the product is better. But you don't feel necessarily like you're being you're being sold. Well, when we see four or five, six more Tesla competitors, I think we'll see more salespeople uh, in the showrooms. Go. There we go. I like that. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good segue. All right. So um, how do you keep yourself educated? I love my Audible app. I read a lot of audio books. So I try to get in little bits of, of what education. What book are you reading right now? Oh, gosh. What am I? I'm Our actually I'm rereading Fooled by Randomness. I know that's another uh, Nassim Taleb uh, plug. Okay. But uh, I, I just love his investment thesis. And uh, so I'm rereading that for fun. Oh, what was the last thing I read for fun? It was something Tom Clancy. Right. I don't read a lot for fun. Awesome. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get you out on this. What are you currently obsessed with? Uh, I've been uh, doing this obstacle course racing thing called Spartan. Okay. And so uh, it, it forces me to train harder, faster, farther, all that stuff. I try to keep up with, with guys like Fabian here, but I just get smoked every time. Um, but that's been kind of a, a fitness obsession of mine, getting my, my, uh, my mental game and physical game ready for awesome. those. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Ivan, we really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. It's been Thank great you. to have me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.